Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world, one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Welcome to Expansion Cast. I am your host, Roger Metz, and today in my studio, I have Shelly Ann Ziegley. Shelly is, I would say, an intuitive, and she is the co-founder of Soul Healing Collective. And Shelly's been doing some new stuff lately around, I guess it's not really new, I guess the program's new, but it looks like uh, you set up some new stuff around addictions. And so Shelly's here to talk about some of her offerings today and who she is and maybe what brought her to uh, be the professional she is in this field. So welcome, Shelly. Well, well, thank you, Roger. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think the next hour we're going to uh, we're going to explore some cool spaces with you. Yeah, let's see where we end up. I'm excited. Yeah. So, Shelly, what, what started all this for you? What started all of this? <laughs> well... All of this started, I believe, if I go back to being a little girl and just seeing the world in a very different viewpoint than, you know, most people around me and it being clear that the path that I'm on is not necessarily typical at all and trying to figure out this path. And there were so many moments of being lost in this, you know, journey and knowing that uh, nothing is going to save me externally but myself and figuring this out. So when you were young, you would say that you were, had a different state of awareness than most people? Yeah. When I describe it to people, it's kind of like I felt like I was watching a movie all the time. Mm-hmm. So that everything's happening around me and... I'm kind of like, what the fuck? Excuse my language, but <laughs> I I didn't understand this movie that I'm watching, <laughs> right? It seemed like very simple things were very complicated and that, you know, the first thing I picked up on and very, very early was the dishonesty, like how much of that actually existed around us. Mm-hmm. And it was normalized. And I'm like three, four, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny because I was kind of the same way too. I I noticed uh, people's people creating this identity and playing these games. And I was like, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, it, it's so fake. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I was too. And I think that's kind of where you and I get a vibe. We vibe together a bit. Um, so where are you, where are you today? Wow. Fast forward from there to here. Uh, Now I'm at this place where I realize I know nothing, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. It's like this place of all these skills and learning um, ideas, you know, all the knowledge that I've gained up until this point, but knowing that in the end, you know, it's infinite, right? Like I'm just at the beginning of, you know, wherever it is that I'm going to end up. 
So it's kind of this crazy place of excitement because knowing that, you know, there are a lot of things that I've learned, but also there's so much more. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how, I mean, when you were young, you were in your beingness and the struggle was to um, try and try and fit in with all these identities, right? Well, I, it's not that I ever wanted to fit in, but it was like, where is my place mm -hmm. in this? And like, what do, what do we do in this? I often describe the way I see the world and still to this day as a game, mm -hmm. right? Like, how do I want to play? How do I want to show up? And I really look at a lot of the diversity in my journey, even the pain, even the suffering uh, was a lot of conscious choice. Uh, I'm going to check this way out and see what's in there. Right. Um, because for myself, the typical way where I was watching so many people go, uh, it didn't look very appealing to me at all. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah, here we are. So what, do you have an identity? Do I have an identity? I think it's constantly shifting and growing. I think there's things about my personality that are constant. I'm a visionary. I'm a discoverer. I'm a questioner. I love to know more. I love to understand. But as far as like who I am and how I show up, I really believe that, you know, we have choice in what that looks like. And if we don't like a certain thing, or if I don't like a certain thing, I'm free to shift that at any time. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to shift that? So what say, let, let, let me uh, be maybe more specific. Say you have had a belief system that you've mm -hmm. created because you wanted to, and maybe I'm not going to say fit in, but because you wanted to be right. a part of a community. Sure. And Absolutely. so you have that, you create this identity or this belief system. And Later on in life, you find you find that this belief system no longer serves you, mm -hmm. even though you don't uh, really maybe not know what the belief system is. How do you change that? So I've changed my belief system many times. I am constantly doing that. And the thing for me is I'm never attached to it in the mm -hmm. first place. So even if I'm exploring community or I'm exploring something to me that feels good, uh, I know it's not ultimate truth. So for me... I mean, it could be for someone else, but for me, I feel that, you know, as a being walking on this planet, I'm free to shift that at any point, right? So when I'm discovering a belief or an avenue or even a community, I'm there to experience the people. I'm there to experience um, in the community and the, the goodness in it, right? And, you know, sometimes things just stop working for us. And I think that's something that a lot of people have a really difficult time is saying, hey, this isn't working for me. I understand that I've been raised this way. I've been you know, conditioned to believe this, but it's not working for me. And I want to explore something else. Right. So I was reading something. Uh, I think I think it was in Osho yesterday or day before. And he said, as soon as we have a belief system created, that mm -hmm. we have a loss of truth. So as soon as we create any belief system, we lose truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that? because we're giving something ultimate <laughs> power. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as we give something ultimate power, our possibility goes away. Right? Like that idea of there's flexibility here or there's 
um, I have free will and choice goes away because we've accepted the truth, right? Mm -hmm. These rules that are, you know, supreme. <laughs> so is there any way to describe your truth? Ooh, my truth. Or is your truth beyond, uh, beyond words? No, I think I can do my best, right? <laughs> I feel my truth is I'm a being walking this planet. I have a purpose just like everybody else, and I'm not fully aware of what that is. So my truth is about showing up every day the best that I can, being open that I can shift, I can change, I can decide that something's not good for me, I can explore, and I just need to be who I am in the sense of uh, authentic in my feelings, my emotions, and how I show up. Mm, nice, nice. So w when you're showing up, how do you know you're showing up to your authentic uh, path? Totally. Or calling? Without thinking. There's no thinking involved. Everything, mm -hmm. when I describe my state to people all the time, like, I don't think. I don't think about what I'm saying. I don't think about what I'm doing. I do sit down and, you know, tangibly plan out my day just because I'm a business owner and the mother of seven and, you know, I've got a lot of things going. But as far as how I show up, I'm present. And that to me is authenticity. It's just being there and trusting that whatever comes out of my mouth is the right thing. Um, whatever I'm feeling is okay. And just being in that moment. Mm -hmm. So do you ever have a, a, a time and space where you are flowing in an inauthentic self? Inauthentic self, sure. Yeah. Yeah, if I get triggered and... Part of the work I do around addiction and recovery right now and this journey I'm on is acknowledging this never-ending um, cycle of patterns, right? So I'm a human. I've walked a journey, a human journey, and I have patterns that are negative. And there's certain things that can happen that can trigger an emotional response. And all of a sudden, my head and my body and everything in me feels like it did, you know, at a previous time. So that stuff can all come up. I really believe that that doesn't necessarily go away. It's just catching it and moving it out, having the tools to, you know, not sit in that. Mm -hmm. How did you discover these tools? <laughs> Through a lot of, <laughs> you know what, like it's a lot of pain and a lot of my own suffering, right? Like, and figuring out that conventional tools don't always work. So for me in my own healing journey and recovery journey, the typical models never work. They may have brought temporary, you know, kind of like, okay, I'm okay. But I found that nothing really gave me the tools to feel free. And then I took it upon myself that I need to find these tools. And when I find these tools, I need to teach people these tools. And a lot of these tools that I learned and found on my own, they already existed. They already exist, right? Because there's this, this big consciousness where people around the world have tapped into it. So I don't mm -hmm. believe that I'm tapping into anything new, mm -hmm. but I believe that I'm able to translate it in a way that's unique to who I'm meant to serve and me. Yeah, that's perfect. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
So what are you translating today? What are you going, what are you bringing to your audience? Mm -hmm. So I'm starting a group program December 11th called Recover and Rise. Yeah. And it's a 90 day immersive group where we connect every week um, over Zoom, over, you know, like with Paul. And really what this group is about is blending the tools that we were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So I have experience in coaching, I have experience in healing, I have experience in a lot of different, um, I guess you call self-help arts. Mm -hmm. And this group is about bringing them all together, the tools, and working through them one by one so that people can essentially, you know, recover and rise. Yeah. So do you, do you have any uh, ties to Tantra? No. Not that, not, that you're, not that you're aware of anyway. So the interesting thing about me is I don't read. Mm -hmm. I haven't read like anything. I don't research. I don't, um, and not because I think that that's bad. I don't at all. I think it's amazing. And sometimes I'm like kind of tapping in, like, can I do that? Um, but for me, it's at this time, not part of what I do. Mm -hmm. So, it, well, yeah, it does. Um, but I guess my question was about if there's, if there's, if you're tied into Tantra in any way, but you went into books. So, um, well, Tantra, if I'm going to research that, yeah, if I'm going to know about that, that means I have to research it. Oh, into it. I see. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's not about necessarily books, but it's, it's a learning and it's, um, it's a, a field. There's a massive field around Tantra and anything. So mm -hmm. for me, the type of person that I am, when I go into something, I, I go in. Right. Yeah. 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 That totally makes sense. So how does how is this program going to work? And right. How's it going to work? Well, I have a private Facebook group, so it's a secret group. Yeah. And once you know you become and you say yes, I'm interested in this, and you become a part of it. We start that support group right there. So my start date's December 11th, but it actually support is available to you immediately because I believe that once we commit to something and we say, yeah, I'm in, I believe the process has already started, right? So it's through that group I offer support and then we have weekly calls where we come via Zoom and I'm teaching on a specific subject. So I have 12 different areas that we work through and the intention is you know by the end you're really soaring in your life mm -hmm. so okay i got a couple questions based out of that um yeah. one is what is addiction and number mm -hmm. two is what is soaring okay so addiction is anything that we're turning to that is holding us back from really growing and being the best person that we possibly can be. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we're uncomfortable, instead of growing, we're looking to something to cover up those feelings and those emotions, something external, and we get a temporary high, right? A temporary rush. But then after that temporary rush is gone, we're left more depleted, right? Mm -hmm. So we fall deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. And addiction, I mean, there's a scale, right? It starts from, it can be something very small to something that has taken over our entire lives, right? Where we have absolutely no control. And I think that's something that, you know, is important to recognize 
that addiction is not located to a specific group of people, a specific race. This is a human thing. Sorry, what was part two of the question? Uh, part two of the question was um, basically, what is soaring? You said when they're soaring done. Soaring means, yeah. yeah, we all have dreams and desires, okay? We all have things that we're reaching for. And it's like, let's get you there, mm -hmm. right? Let's get this crap, whatever is sitting in your way, blocking you from really being the best that you can be. Because I don't believe we're like 50 steps away. I really don't believe it. it has to be this big process to go from where I'm at to where I want to be, right? So to me, soaring means all that crap that's sitting in between where we're at and where we want to be is pulled away and energetically there's space made so that you can be in that state of what you dream and desire. So it sounds like you're going to have people clean out their kitchen cupboards and make space for some new energy to pop in. Totally. And it's like move it all out. Understand. Also like having a, a really good understanding cognitively of energy and of, you know, what that, you know, looks like having stuff messy inside or hidden inside, what that translates into our real life world. Yeah. So what is... Uh... What is struggle? Like, let's talk about struggle for a bit. Do you think, do you think that struggle ever ends? Is it something that's uh, no. temporary or? Struggle never ends and we can't expect it to go away. So what we want to do is become so solid in who we are and that we expect struggle. We know that this is part of the human journey, right? But we also know how to navigate and how to keep centered, how to keep clear, how to keep strong as we move through struggle. It doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. So, uh, however, may maybe the struggle will stay, but maybe the struggle will just uh, change to something yeah. else. It changes from when I believe when we're in this place of, you know, uh, this healthy, strong, vibrant place, struggle doesn't destroy us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't debilitate us. It, it becomes even something that can be exciting even because we understand that through struggle, we grow. Through struggle, we become better. Through struggle, you know, yeah, we strengthen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is your, what, what kind of struggles have you had? What kind, let's, let's go into, let's go way into Shelly. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Hold on, let me get in there, okay? Yeah, let's, fi let's find yeah. some vulnerable pieces that maybe people yeah. can relate to. I'll go my most vulnerable. Yeah. So my big struggle was with lying. So early, 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 I like I said at the beginning of you know this interview, that uh, I saw that the world, like everything was a lie around me, right? So it wasn't long before I'm like, well, I'm going to join this. Mm -hmm. And you know, from a kid's perspective, it's kind of fun, right? Like you're not, you're not uh, trying to mess up your life. You don't understand the big consequences of it. It's kind of entertaining. But as I grew up and, you know, I started feeling insecure in who I was, um, I started, man, like just really, again, I think being insecure in who I was, right? is a big one for me. 
because hitting those teens and those early teens, I'm like, man, I'm different and man, I don't like this and I don't know what to do with this, right? So that, you know, young girl kind of naive, not naive, but like, what do you call it? Open viewpoint kind of closed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that line just took over everything for me and was the hardest thing for me to break. So what was the emotions? What were what were your emotions around that? Mm-hmm. I don't like who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like this. Um, I just want to be normal. Uh, I want to be seen, I guess. And yeah, yeah, it was a tricky time. Yeah, so I think that's the, I mean, you're nailing the causes of addiction, right? Oh, I know, yeah. It's all It's all about being seen and being held by something outside of ourselves. And But the beautiful thing is like when, I'm sure when you take them through this process at the end, they're going to find that uh, the big thing that's holding them is really, you know, this deep divine part of self. Um, yeah. Yeah, that we're just not tapped into it all. And we're not, we're not taught to be tapped into that. And that's like a big problem. Mm-hmm. is our very truth, which we know when we're young, we know when we're kids for the most part, is like slowly taken away from us. And it is taken away from us. It's it's not that we're just like, here, take it, please. It's the way the world is set up around us. So learning to bring that back in and find, you know, okay, there is something more here for me. I do get to decide what is truth for me and what is not truth for me and open myself up to who I am. Mm -hmm. So in your, uh, in that vulnerable state when you were younger, I'm sure it transitioned into an awareness though, you know, an awareness that propelled you to where you are today in a sense. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of things that um, chain linked from that, that liar. Totally. That that liar, um, I believe, when I look at it now, I was entering a world that's already there, right? There there was nothing wrong with me, quote unquote. I was just living it out and enacting what I saw around me all the time Mm -hmm. in in a different way. Do you know what I mean? I think so. Yeah, like it it was like For a long time, I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like, why can't I break this? Roger, picture this, okay? 17-year-old Shelly. I'm in recovery. I'm down. I'm living in Calgary, uh, full-time recovery program. And I want to conquer this line, right? And I don't know what to do. And I have a key worker that I work with every day. And I come up with an idea. And I said, okay, I'm going to keep a lie journal. Every time I lie, I'm going to write in this journal. I'm going to write why I lied and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Mm -hmm. And I kept this journal. And in this journal, I'm like seeing in front of me what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, but still couldn't break it, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So it's, you know, when I look back at that process, even being, you know, 17 and carried around this book, I carried it with me everywhere, 
So what I learned from that is it's not that we don't want to change sometimes, right? Because I did want to change, but I didn't understand how to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, you you couldn't see the tools that, and, the, and, the, and the writing on the wall that were right in front of you. And you were actually right. writing the, writing the answers. I created that tool, and which, by the way, <laughs> is a really good tool for anyone to use if mm -hmm. that's an issue for you. It's a very positive tool. Mm -hmm. But the actual, this is where I believe the energetic component of healing and changing is so important. Because I don't believe that was a cognitive shift that helped me get out of that pattern. That was a spiritual and energetic shift mm -hmm. that got me out of that. So that takes me somewhere else. Yeah. Because we're let, let's talk about energy. Because I know you can manipulate energy like no mm -hmm. other. Mm -hmm. And where are you with that? Like, what's your what's your responsibility with your energy? My responsibility with mm -hmm. my energy. Mm -hmm. Well, let me give you the story of what happened there because okay. it's pivotal to know. Um. When I moved to Lethbridge, I was a single mom of two little girls, and I had just left an abusive marriage, and we used drugs together, so I had relapsed then. So when I came to Lethbridge, I left all that behind, immediately got my shit together, went to school, all of that. So year two into my school, I have what I call a death dream, and it is literally where... I was in dream state and died. It was the scariest thing that I've ever experienced. I woke up um, from that dream, soaking wet, the whole bed, like beyond more water. Like I don't even know where that water could come from. Um, I woke up from that experience, able to see energy. I never saw it before that. As a kid, maybe, but I don't think I knew how to interpret it. Mm -hmm. But that was the situation that happened that opened me up. And all of a sudden I'm sitting, you know, feeding my kids breakfast and I can see everything. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn to navigate with that. Are you still seeing energy or have you shut it down a bit or? It's not that I've shut it down a bit, but I describe it to people like when you see something all the time, you begin to like put it in the background. Mm -hmm. It's not as important anymore. I've done a lot of the learning that I needed to learn with having it in my face like that, because I believe it was in my face like that. When you asked what my responsibility was, mm -hmm. is to learn how to and actively share with people, you know, how to move this out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a fancy anything. It's actually the most simple thing in the world. So what do you mean by move this out? It's like we have blocks all over us, energetic blocks, right? Yeah. So the pain and the things that we've experienced, all of that sits inside of us and outside of us, right? Mm -hmm. So we have like how I see them is like dark spots, dark buildups of, you know, yarn stuff or whatever. Like if I describe how I see it and we don't have to be carrying that, right? But we have to be, in order to release that, be able to sit in a certain space and be able to go into those really real places to let it move out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in Tantra, some of the work I do, we call that uh, body armor. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So basically emotional, really hard, uh, energetic armor so that we don't feel that feeling that's corresponding with that piece within our body. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's so cool because we all translate it different, but it's the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. It is an armor. It's a buildup because it hurts here. Yeah. It hurts really bad. Like the heart space for like how many, almost everybody I see has that problems in that space, buildups. Mm -hmm. It's like I hurt, so I block. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of processing and, and feeling the emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. No way, not Very at all. Mm. It's unfortunate, isn't it? We're taught to not process. Um, no, because we're all wounded. <laughs> and so when you were younger, though, um, like I noticed some people that were younger and they were like really noisy and emotional and they seemed to get shut down the most. And, and from my perspective now, it seems like they're the ones that are having the hardest time moving into this new I don't know what people call it, the age of Aquarius or whatever, but this new energy that we're moving into now, mm -hmm. which I find a lot of people are starting to uh, want to let go of all this armor. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't have a choice. Um, but these people that have been shut down the, the most because they had the most emotions when they were younger are having the most difficult time. And then the people that had more awareness around their emotions and were allowed to process a bit, uh, yeah. they're doing pretty good. Yeah, right. Because the more we are shut down, the more work we have to do. So that's that's really it. It's like, mm -hmm. do you want to do the work? Yeah. And as we're, you know, shifting and the world's shifting and the energy is shifting, it's like we have some big decisions to make. And the more trauma we've experienced and the more negative feedback we got from the world, the more work we have to do. And plain and simple, it's work. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is where I can get kind of rough and <laughs> not rough, but straight to the point, right? Is a lot of these people, even like myself, who've experienced a lot of this stuff, we wallow in it and we'll be like, you know, like, oh, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's like none of that matters. If you want to experience something different, you're going to have to do the work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have compassion, but only to a certain level. Right. It's like, let's do the work and the work's not that bad. It's scary, but you have to do it to move. So is, do you think the scariness is in the jumping, like the jumping into it? No. Well, I think the scariness is our reality and our stories becoming shattered. Right. Because when you've lived your life justifying and rationalizing and, you know, you are a victim like the things this here's my thing that i want to say whatever happened to us in the past right while we were growing up those things that happened to us that were very real mm -hmm. they're not our fault and they've never been our fault and we did not deserve them right all of that stuff that fucked us up we did not ask for that or deserve that okay mm -hmm. but to move to a new place we have to take responsibility and we have to say that that story that I've been hanging on to, that stuff isn't working for me anymore. I need to let that go and move forward from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like we become so comfortable with our excuses 
And when you don't know what is possible, right, the unknown is scary. So yeah, what would that look like if, you know, I was loved? What would that look like if I was in a healthy relationship? What would that look like if I was safe? I don't know. That That is not predictable for me. I don't know what that looks like. And another thing that happens there, Roger, a lot of times is what if I love? What if I trust? What if I think I'm safe and then I get hurt? Mm-hmm. Right? Then it's like that weight for a lot of people is so scary that it's like I would rather just choose the pain and what's predictable than go into that space and not know me. It's easier to control something that is existing within us already than something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the what I love about the whole thing, I love that when when we can move into change, when we can actually be in a space where anything coming in is exciting, anything new that's coming in is exciting. And, you know, the stuff that's around us, you know, if it leaves, it's okay. Yeah. You know what that is, though? We've worked enough in it to know what happens, right? We know that there's great beauty coming when we're in those places, right? We know that. And that's the beauty of once you start this work, and you start on this process and you start to see that, okay, that unpredictability is actually very safe and it is exciting and it is, you know, open, then, then we get in that path. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're starting, and this is where I've taken my work down to recovery and addiction. Why? Because I feel I have a lot to serve, to give to those people right at that space. That space of I don't know what to do, and mm-hmm. I'm really, really scared, but I know I need to do something different. Yeah. So I want to tell you a little story that I think might tie into all this and help people mm-hmm. understand a little bit about addiction. So um, I worked, you know, I worked in an industry for about 15 years, mm-hmm. and then I quit. And for me, that was a big jump because I had a lot of uh, safety in that space you know it was all known energy and you know you know just as well as i do how hard of a time i had with leaving that and you know long knew long before i even quit that i was supposed to quit and move on but of course you know i i i held on to that safety you know to that armor mm-hmm. and so i quit quite a while ago here now last may or something but today i went to one of the stores that we worked with quite often, and I could feel some anxiety coming up in me. Mm-hmm. So I was in this place and I could feel this anxiety and then I left. And then all of a sudden these thoughts are coming in that I should go visit some of the people I used to work with mm-hmm. in a different location than the place that I actually worked, but same industry. Mm-hmm. So I went there and while I was in the shop talking to one of my old friends, I couldn't even speak straight my anxiety level was through the roof and so I had to really bring in some breathing techniques and calm myself and it just blows me away how you know how much anxiety was there in my life before and I'm just you know walking into these spaces my body's remembering them that's what I'm telling myself right now anyway 
no, you, you were remembering it. Memory, mm-hmm. it doesn't really go away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing that we have, when we're dealing with deep-rooted trauma and all of those things, they get triggered. They can be mm-hmm. triggered, like something you just described, walking into that place. It's like, whether cognitively or even energetically, there's parts that remember, and there's parts around you that are triggered and going, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters what level of awareness we hit. I really don't. I think part of that human process is we can feel and tap into things and be triggered by things. Mm -hmm. And you have so much skill. That's the difference, right? Is the skill and the awareness and the tools, right? Like you said, that deep breathing to get yourself back (laughs) centered. Yeah. 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 It's the same thing. I mean, I experience it a lot. And, you, you know, our tools get better. We can be prepared and be like, okay, I'm walking into this situation. I have history there. And there's parts of my being that are very familiar with this. And they might come up. Yeah. It's okay. I even just got, I even felt anxiety talking about the story. Totally. Yeah. See? Yeah. That's where it's like, don't expect our pain to just go away. <laughs> no. No, it's no. just like, it's it's still floating around there, but you we know, can get better at moving out of it. You know, I talked to some people and I and I kind of reflect it to waves in a pond. You know, when we mm-hmm. when we leave a place, it's, it's kind of like throwing the pebble in it. And those waves, as they move out, are basically the top of the wave is how the things come try and come back into us like the emotion tries to re-trigger and reawaken because it's energy and it really wants to live it just wants to keep going and but the further away you get from from the rock going in or leaving that that belief system you know it takes a lot longer for these feelings to come back Uh, and you know uh, yeah the environment has to match right yeah so if we go back into the same environment right so when we're looking at addiction we're talking relapse if we go back into that behavior then those ripples that were way out here now become right here they're my reality mm-hmm. right so that's it that's an interesting way to look at it but that's if our environment you know is is that in alignment to those waves that were out there they're now back here mm-hmm. yeah this is so much fun right um, yeah yeah um <laughs> this uh this evening mm-hmm. i have another interview and yeah. it's actually with uh, a therapist who was put into the psych ward mm-hmm. so uh, yeah it's going to be interesting i'm going to okay. do, do the interview right in the psych ward so that's awesome yeah yeah and so she's currently in the psych ward. Yeah, it's a he, but he is currently in the psych wow. ward. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, 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 wow. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it was... It's, oh, man, like when I tap into that, <laughs> it's like <laughs> a pond and a ripple and a deep ripple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you can get lost sometimes, too. Like, you know, I want to touch on this. So yeah. I have seven children. I have a big family. We're building a farm, right? So... It's important when you're someone like myself or someone even like you, Roger, I don't know if it's as important for you, but for me, to stay <laughs> physicalized in the physical world. Yeah. Because I could get lost in a ripple real easy mm-hmm. if I didn't have that practical, that practical world, right? And having, you know, those little beings that I get to teach 
this awareness and this openness to from day one. Mm -hmm. My oldest is 19. I didn't teach her from day one, right? So I had to, you know, do some backtracking there. But I think it's really important that we use our awareness, our gifts, and translate it into the practical world as well. You know what? I totally agree with that. And that's why I love Tantra, because Tantra is about bringing all the spiritual, whatever you want to call it, into the present totally. space that you're in. And that's why, you know, in, in Tantra, people use touch language and different things to help us be here, to get out of the, this this bullshit headspace and all these stories that are floating around and to just be here present with with yeah. our body in this. I mean, we came here. That We didn't come here to move into this spiritual uh, um, escape while we're here. Oh, that's my pet peeve. I hate that shit. <laughs> seriously, like you can talk all the spiritual language you want, yeah. but if you are not living it, I'm not even going to listen to you. I can't mm -hmm. because what is something spiritualized without it being physicalized? It's nothing. You're yeah. just talking. Yeah, it's just and philosophy. It's a philosophy. Yeah. Like bring it down here, do something real, do something tangible. And that's what I mean. Like the people, Roger, attracted to your work, my work, any of this work, they have something to do here. And I really believe that's our job is to help them move into that and figure out what the heck that is. Mm -hmm. And in a simple way where they're not getting lost in, you know, the philosophy and fluff. Mm -hmm. Are you a mystic? Mm, I would say most definitely. Mm hmm. Where I go, Roger, like inside of me, it's like I am so obsessed with God, with the one, with all of that. And it's not even an obsession. It's just like it's I live there. And when I was describing at the beginning um, that awareness I had when I was a kid, mm -hmm. it, that's where I was. I was in that space of truth. So interesting that I took on that you know, flip side of, of lying and dishonesty. To, I think, understand it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a mystic. But, you know, like, I used to lie when I was young, too. We all lie. Like, quite this a bit. Is... Roger, you know what drives me insane? This, you guys, listeners, anyone who hears this, if you do this, like, warning sign to yourself. You know what? I really hate liars. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, fucking right. hate yourself. You totally. And and that's okay. It's cool. It's just an awareness thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like if that really, really bothers you or triggers you, there's some work to do looking inwards. We we live in a world of duality. There's, you know, truth and there's lies. And they exist everywhere. And we do it. I do it still. Roger does it. We all do it because it's part of living this human experience and all a lie is is just something that's a little bit off of what we're really feeling thinking knowing, right mm -hmm. it's simple i mean they can get extreme <laughs> they can be you know but it's as simple as answering a question the way we think we should rather than how we're really feeling that's a lie based out of fear yeah i don't really lie anymore you know why because i i know i can't remember them <laughs> so I, I can't keep track. No, you don't consciously lie anymore. I don't no. either. It's not. It's not about that because you're you're centered and aware. And when we're fully in our essence, we don't have mm -hmm. to do that. We just know 
we are. However, it could be something, when I say that we, I still lie, it could be something as simple as not even thinking and how are you? Good. But I'm actually not really good. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go back and be like, actually, I'm not feeling good at all. Mm-hmm. Right? So being so being inauthentic is basically lying. Yeah. It is. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. If we explore that deep enough, and it's not even that deep, we'll like, yeah, it's an error. It's not correct. It's a spoken lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think so. like I spend a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I want to go, I don't know if we're going to flow very good with this question, but I want to talk about contact high. Um, I don't know if we can weave it into how a person lies when they're younger. In overcoming addictive behaviors, mm-hmm. um, there's something I think that might interrupt the process, and that's what I would call a contact high. And that contact high we can get from, um, I mean, we can get that from being around people that are smoking weed. We can get that from being around people who are happy. We can get that from people who are sad. I mean, we're energetic beings and we pick up on other people's frequencies. So when trying to overcome a limiting behavior, how do we move through life uh, with um, all these contact high moments trying to, uh, I guess, keep us in our struggle? Totally. Yeah, I think it's really important that one of the first things we do is that we learn how to establish our own connection and be able to hold an energetic frequency that can navigate within, you know, typical situations for us. Because when we begin to, you know, shift our life and our direction, we can't drop everything at once, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is we are going to have to walk in difficult situations. We are going to have to learn how to hold our energy while we're being triggered. And a lot of what I believe and what I do with my clients is tap them in and open that connection for them. Because once you feel that connection and you move all the crap out of the way, right? That's, you know, the buildup, like you said, the messy cupboards, you move out that energy, people can feel that connection. And all of a sudden you're in those situations And you don't even have to try to avoid contact high. You just will because you know what you're tapped into. You know what you want. And you're, you know, not going to let that interfere. And that's part of, you know, being able to see energy. What that's done for me is giving me that space to learn how to open that connection and keep it open. If that makes sense. Because that, like, of course, you know, after one week of working with somebody or our first call, you hang up off that call, you're still in your environment, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to leave whatever room you're in. You better be feeling something bigger (laughs) than yourself to keep you, um, I guess, directed and on this path of change. Mm -hmm. So how does that tie into accountability and Yeah, it's like your accountability. This is what I believe, Roger. When we're tapped into our truth and we actually feel that, a lot of people have never felt that. And a lot of people, even in addiction, because of the trauma of their childhood, they don't even have a reference point to it, 
right? Mm -hmm. So that is the first thing we're doing is creating that. So the accountability is to yourself. It's to your soul. It's to your path. It's not to, you know, in my groups, it's not to me. It's not to the group. It's, it's to yourself. So it's like, usually when people come into or want to join a container that I'm in, they're ready. They're so done with their craft that, Mm -hmm. and you give them the tools and those tools are powerful enough that the contact high isn't even a thing. I would say, I don't even know any of my clients who are affected by contact high anymore, but I do know what you're talking about and it is a real thing. And without having that strong, open connection, absolutely. You're, Mm -hmm. it's like, a I don't know, you're in a battlefield every day and it would be very easy to get defeated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm a very open person and I can feel other people's energy quite, Mm -hmm. quite easily. Um, I can, you know, when I work with my clients, I can feel their energy where it's stuck and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I, and usually I feel it in my body and I can process it really quickly though. That's the thing. Um, yeah. I was with a friend the other night who, uh, had the energy of, uh, cannabis and mm-hmm. he wasn't, had not been smoking cannabis for six months, but yet I could still feel a bit of a cannabis high from him. Totally. And um, it was fun. He- it's like you can feel it, but you're strong enough in your own essence that you're not going to go into it. No, no, I just let it go off when when I'm done with it. Yeah, yeah. we still notice things. And that's where yeah. it's like, instead of going into the pattern, notice what you're noticing and then, you know, stay in your own space. And that's that's how you move forward. Yeah. And I think that's, that's key for people that are starting on the path mm-hmm. is to understand the energies and understand how they can be affected by the energy that's existing in their house you know, in their environment. Yeah. yeah. So here's, nobody's going to be attracted to me or my work. They're going to read my outline for recover and rise. If they're not freaking serious and they're going to run for the hills. Right. So that's the other thing is it's like the right people in the right space are Mm -hmm. attracted to the work that I do, the work that you do, the work that anybody does. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the thing. If, if you're still, at that place where you're not sure if you want to give up whatever and experience a different life, then my work isn't for you. Right. Yeah. I'm very clear about that. So there are people and there are souls that are here, I believe to just walk through patterns over and over and over again. Not everyone is meant to come out and that's okay. We have to have peace with that. Mm-hmm. Well, there has to be people, I believe, to like way showers to show us the struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody thinks of way showers as the people that are enlightened and showing the way, but, <laughs> but there's way showers that show not the way. Totally. Yeah. You can learn so much from, you know, just looking at somebody without judgment mm-hmm. and just accepting that it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah, there's so much there. And there's reasons that we can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. I'm actually launching my podcast next week. I've been, I've recorded five different interviews nice. called the, the Unveiled Addict. Mm. So I'm anonymously interviewing addicts and just hearing their story. Mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, we're not exploring it to fix anything or to, you know, um, uncover anything other than, you know, how did we get here? 
and what is it like for you? And let's understand it from another perspective. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, what's what's your source of the these people? Where are you finding these? Well, I'm connected. I went through recovery at 17, and mm. I went through a recovery program in Calgary that worked with women in the sex trade. Yeah. And I've been linked to this through my whole journey, really. So I have a lot of personal contacts. I have a lot of people that uh, have been attracted to my work over the years that are in addiction and recovery. So it's like, I didn't just get here. It's just my mind finally just put all the pieces together that, oh, this work that I'm doing has always been a common denominator with my clients is usually addiction. Mm -hmm. And I went through all my clients notes over the last seven years. And I was like blown away. Almost 90% of them had some sort of addiction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I have a lot of contacts and people trust me. The presence that I, you know, have given, I'm quite open with my life and, you know, people, are quite open with me to share their stories. Yeah, likewise, yeah. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'm I'm amazed and shocked that people are so open. Even some of my clients that come in, I had one last week, and I asked her how come. I said, "You seem very nervous," and she she says, "Well, yeah, yeah." My, she goes, "I've been to counselors and psychologists, and usually it's just me sitting here telling a story, but she goes, I feel like you're see inside my soul." <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And I said, and well, I see your truth, you know? And that's enough. Like, there's so much healing in that. Like, that's what I mean. Like, even energy work, it's nothing fancy. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, being present with someone, allowing them to be who they really are and show up is so powerful. Yeah. Like, it, it can just be a moment of doing nothing that can shift somebody forever, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So new podcast, so mm -hmm. you're really going and diving into the addiction part, which is awesome because, mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like that's kind of your path and your purpose, even though you said earlier you don't really know your purpose. You just... <laughs> yeah, I do know my... It's like the closer I get, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you light up. So when I'm doing this work and I'm putting together everything, it's easy. And it hasn't always been easy. You know, over these last seven years, I have trial, error, fail, uh, success, <laughs> you know, all these different things. And it's like when I had this opening a couple months ago, it was like, finally, <laughs> you know, this ease of, oh, this is where it was. But you know what it was, Roger? Up until that point, I wasn't ready to openly share my story hmm. because of my own drug um, addiction in my twenties with my two daughters, I wasn't ready to be open about that. Mm -hmm. I had so much, you know, I was ready on a small scale to be open to that, but like coming out publicly and sharing that, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Most of my clients come in and most of them have sexual stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we see a pattern, right? Yeah. And in that pattern is, I think where the magic lies or where our healing work is best meant. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, it seems to be for you, Tantra, right? Yeah. Where you're really connecting and really able to put that into real life, practical healing and help. 
awesome. Yeah, and I don't even feel like I have a choice, really. I guess I do well, have a choice, but... How do you feel about this, Roger? This, I don't feel like I have a choice. It's the easy path, mm -hmm. in a way. Well, that's the thing. Once, If people knew how easy life is meant to be, mm -hmm. and not easy as in boring, because an easy path, when you're aligned, is so exciting, but easy as it's simple. We are divinely guided. And when we tap into that, it doesn't stop, right? Yeah, yeah. I still wish, you know, the, the, right now for me, the mm -hmm. hardest moments are the moments where I feel like I'm floating and waiting for the next piece to take off. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where it's like, I can't do much. I'm just in that trusting zone yeah. of letting it come. And you know, that's where I even think error is cool. Like it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to even step into something that isn't right mm -hmm. um, to propel you towards what is, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think so many of us do that is, you know, that waiting can be passive or you can move in it. It neither way is right or wrong. Yeah. It's what works for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think one of the other common struggles is once we become a lot more aware is, I mean, we have to trust our divine uh, knowingness yeah. and you know, jumping out of any kind of struggle, there's always a trust. Mm -hmm. And this idea that we we just have this one moment where we can trust and then the rest is all easy flowing. For <laughs> me, that has not been true because I still no. have issues with trust. Because um, today I went somewhere and, you know, my, you know, this feeling of me going to one place and I didn't go to the one place at the time I was going to go, but... It all worked out anyway, but still, it just was kind of all fucked up. <laughs> you know what? Like, exactly. And I say, like, let's not look for the easy path. Because mm -hmm. the easy path, but it's like, let it be simple, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? There's still, like, I don't care how awake you are or enlightened you are or whatever. Like, you're still, you're still a human. Mm -hmm. And there's still going to be, you know difficulties yeah so let's talk a little bit about that easy path then because um we talk about this path is easier when we're following our divine guidance mm -hmm. but when we're coming just coming out of struggle yeah from addiction yeah. it's it's sometimes it's a lot easier to just to drop into addiction and stay there totally of course it is yeah you're picking when you're coming out of addiction you're picking the hard road yeah so the hard road, and that's that inner work that I'm talking about, will eventually lead you to that openness. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to walk in a different kind of pain. Yeah. If there's pain involved, like there's no, there's no you're exempt from pain. But when you explore that and you begin to go into that, it's like, again, that duality thing, right? There's like pain, but then freeing. At the same time, yeah. pain, but then weightlessness. <laughs> so it's like, it's very interesting. Yeah. For me, a lot of the pain is usually around conversation about sharing a deep fucking bound up secret or tension mm -hmm. or something. So what was it for you? What was one of your big ones that you had to share that just 
gave you free uh, the drug addiction yeah. was the biggest one because i i came to lethbridge and i like vowed silence to that right mm-hmm. i i knew i'm changing my fucking life i'm never going back there but i'm not speaking of it either <laughs> right <laughs> and as you know my work and my own awareness developed it's like um no shelly you need to be open with that and i began to become open with it on smaller scales all my clients knew about it mm-hmm. and i you know i felt freedom in that but then mm-hmm. coming out and speaking about it you know to the world yeah uh scary it is isn't it yeah, yeah. but then once i did it i'm like okay cool that's done now i'm okay but it gives makes space for something else to move in, right? Totally. Yeah. It's freedom. Yeah. When you express the thing that you are shameful of yeah. and you just fucking let it go, it doesn't live inside you anymore. Yeah. And that was still something I was hanging on to, right? It was still living inside me. It was alive. Now that I've expressed it, it's not living inside me anymore. It's out here. I can access it. Yeah. But it has no power inside of me anymore. Yeah. Sometimes it tries to move back in, but you just oh, yeah. an awareness. No. Yeah, it's That's very cool. That's one tool I teach people all the time that I want to share is, you know, that whether it's the mind or that negativity that tries to come in, right? It's like having almost uh, a dialogue with it, treating it as something outside like another person right Mm -hmm. because when something like that tries to come in or negative talk comes in i'm like no (laughs) we're not going there right Mm -hmm. you're not me you're not my truth and i'm not letting you in so it's like beginning to recognize that because most people think that their thoughts are them and are truth and are you know something higher and it's not it's a part of ourself that is, we can call it the ego, right? But when we're talking to people right at that root of awakening, that language doesn't even work. It's just they think it's them and it's not you. Mm-hmm. Well, and the I really isn't you either. No. No. So. No, but that's really deep. We're getting even deeper there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? And think people at the beginning phase of waking up to, I need to change my life. They need to be able to recognize that, you know, negative, self-debilitating voice inside of them and getting control over it. So let me ask you this. I want to hear something really vulnerable from you. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to hear about a part of your addiction where when you were deep into addiction, something that you maybe felt a lot of shame about that caused you to want to move here and leave it all in the past. Yeah, I'll tell you the story. So I left home at 17. And uh, really, the only thing I had to do with my parents over the years was them helping with my daughter, my oldest daughter. So when the addiction in the house got really bad between uh, my husband and I, he started, I believe, going into some sort of psychosis with uh, cocaine was the drug of choice there and in our home. And each day got a little bit worse. The abuse got worse. He was um, beginning to get a lot more violent with me. And it got to that point where I knew, I'm like, I can't cover this anymore. I can't hide this anymore. I'm likely going to end up like dead. Mm -hmm. And 
this is going to be something much, you know, darker than it is. And uh, the night before I left, he got up in the middle of the night and um, he held a knife at my neck and over top of me and saying that he was going to first kill me and then kill himself. And uh, I felt it right there. I'm like, he's not kidding. This is like, I'm one step, I'm one second, one word away from not being here. And uh, I just felt something come in that was higher. I felt something, oh, I, I know it's God, the one, whatever you want to call it. And I said, I lied. <laughs> this is where I used lying in a good way. I believe. And I told him everything's going to be okay. We're okay. And I talked him out of it. And he backed away. And uh, that day he went to work and I called my dad and asked him to come get me. And my dad said he'd come get me that I could live with them or stay with them. But I had to, you know, follow rules uh, it was kind of like I was talking, you know, my 17-year-old self was back on the phone with my dad. But I knew if I if I don't go, I'm like, it's done. And these little girls are going to grow up with a mom mm. and I can't do it. So that was really the moment where, you know, I was done. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I could feel I could feel your energy. I could feel you going back into the memories, like the, sure. the emotional you have trauma. To, right? yeah. like when, and that's what I'm talking about. This is how easy and how self-aware we have to be. Mm -hmm. Because just talking about something like that, like you feel it. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, yeah, I went there. But now I'm like, okay, I'm not there. So what was the feeling? Can you describe it? That I just tapped into? Yeah. Yeah, it was like that feeling of powerlessness, emptiness, mm -hmm. sadness. Yeah. Um, I felt despair. Hopelessness, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Despair and empty, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like you're like at the end. It's like right being at the crossroads with, I can, it can be done right here. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. And you've yeah. never really had the power to pull yourself out of that space mm -hmm. and yeah. so that's i think that's the hopelessness because you didn't have any tools no. the only tool you no. had was to phone your dad i was living at that point i just was so embarrassed that i was where i was at yeah and that kind of you know feeling allowed me to show up and try to fix a situation rather to say I'm not willing to show up in this situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember like straight up using drugs with him. I was always aware and I was always trying to like fix something. It was like he would go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. He would go into some sort of delusional space and I would like be like, how the hell do we get out of this? Mm. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I've never spoken about that one openly, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> Especially on a podcast. 
How does it feel after? Mm, it feels good. You know, I mean, it's hard because I know he's out there living his life somewhere. He's the father of one of my children. And I know he's not there in his life right now. So when I share that, I feel some guilt. Mm -hmm. And not like, it's like, man, he's just a person too. And he was just fucked up, up too, right? Mm -hmm. And I know he never wanted to do that to me yeah. and I know that you know the addiction and all of that brought him to that place so yeah I feel compassion for him when I share that yeah yeah I could feel that um, mm -hmm. it's beautiful when we can be at a space in our life where we can see the divine being in another mm -hmm. even if that yeah. an, another is a perpetrator or whatever totally yeah just totally. It's like our circumstances, you know, will sometimes lead us places that our highest and best self would never, ever, ever do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear that lip thing again you just did. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. Oh, this has been a great podcast. Thank you, Shelley. You're welcome, Roger. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice to spend. I don't even feel like I need to say anymore. It's just like, here we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, we could sit here for the next three minutes on the podcast and not say anything and just be in silence mm -hmm. with our beingness. There's a beauty in that rawness, right? Like even when I'm feeling right now, and I mean, let's not call it a high frequency, but it's a real frequency. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because I've done the work and whatnot, I can sit in here and feel openness and feel expansiveness and know that just by what we shared and having that space, I've created some sort of healing and you've created that space also for taking me there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and your energy seems uh, uh, more luminescent too. Yeah, because I'm not teaching, I'm not sharing, I'm not talking, I'm just being. Yeah. And this is what happens like on a coaching call with me, a mentorship yeah. call with me. This is the space we hit. All the time. Yep, exactly. Because this is a space of miracles. This is a space of transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is, I, I like to call this the space of, you know, we get we uh, we allow ourselves to be in the space of no mind mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And in breathing, we get to feel our divine essence moving. Yeah. Yeah. In um, The Unveiled Attic, the first podcast is me sharing my story. So I go to some pretty, I'm in this space almost mm -hmm. the whole time. And then I'm like, I put off launching it for a week because I was so scared to share that. Yeah. Right? You know what I was really scared to share was in my one podcast um well, first of all, and I edit my own podcast, so that makes it even harder for some reason because mm -hmm. I have I listen to myself being vulnerable, and I'm like, "Ew, I don't want to let that out there." 
<laughs> and so, like, the first one, uh, Gary uh, Zhu, who I'm going to interview mm-hmm. later on tonight in the psych ward, he knows a lot about, because I used to see him as a coach, a uh, psychologist, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he talked about, he goes, yeah, my my biggest shame is around having genital herpes. And he mm-hmm. goes, and I was like, when I was editing that, I was like, holy fuck, do I want to let this go out? Right. And so I was like, yeah, I want to be real. Like, I want to be real with my audience. And then, ironically, I had uh, somebody else come in uh, a few podcasts later, and that it came up again, and it was just really easy to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. you freed it. Yeah, and, and, and the shame is just put <laughs> down. But actually, come, talking about it even today, I had a little bit, like, I feel the old the old uh, piece in me that wants to stop it from, mm-hmm. you know, disclosing or whatever but right yeah that's when you go back <laughs> you go back and revisit it it's like oh good lord <laughs> right. sometimes it's best just just say it share it and walk away <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think in the well in the beginning of the podcast you were saying this I don't, whatever comes out of my mouth it just happens yeah yeah it does no consequences no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay well, yeah. this has been a great podcast, and Shelly, um, give us some information on how people can get a hold of you if they want to join this next uh, uh, session of yours. Right. So you can find me on Facebook, Shelly Ann Zigley. Um, you can message my personal page. It's open. Uh, you can also check out my blog, www.neverendingrecovery.com. And I have uh, Recover and Rise. If you're looking for Recover and Rise, click on it, read the details, and you can apply to be a part of it. Um, I have an application process to really make sure this group is on the same page. Mm-hmm. I do feel that that's important. And uh, yeah, that's about how. <laughs> is it a free program? No, it's not free. But I mean, the investment is pretty pretty minimal. It's okay. 597 okay. for the 90 days and it can be broken down into four payments of 157, I believe. No, I want it to be accessible. And here's the deal. If you're listening to this and you feel called to it and you go to my website and, you know, the cost of it is inaccessible, I'll work with you and, okay. you know, we'll make it happen. I don't want money to be a barrier. Can you, um, like if somebody comes through this podcast and mm-hmm. says, I listened to you on Expansion Cast, um, can you offer them a kind of a deal? Sure. Like, I'll offer it for 400 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. $400 for 90 days of support. And really, you know, it is, it's all I got. And what I mean by that is like this program is my heart and my soul. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, me showing up for recognition or anything like that. Is I believe in your ability to grow, to shift. And like I said at the beginning, if you listened, transcend, soar, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really, I know it's really important to do 90 days. Mm-hmm. Energy has, there's something around energy that mm-hmm. we need that 90 days. We just have to keep that cycle up. Yeah, it's a process and it's, you know, it, it's easy to shift on the spiritual level, but to physicalize a shift takes time. 
And that's where, you know, I, I feel that that 90 days is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Shelly. All right, Roger. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.